Father. Uh, a few years ago, seems like a few, probably been a lot of years ago, we took a trip to Gettysburg as part of a missions trip to uh, Pennsylvania. And it got to see the battlefield and everything that's there. I don't know how familiar you are with Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. He has a, a statement he makes in, at the, near the end of the address. He says, the world will little note or no longer remember what we say here. Well, that was wrong, right? I mean, uh, it's still memorized and many high school students memorize this every year. It, it can never forget what they did here. It is for the living rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they fought but they who fought here have so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead, we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. That phrase is something that I, I learned as a boy because my dad would use that expression when referring to people who gave their life for their country. And I think probably when we think of the Christian life, there is no word that better captures what God really wants from us than this word, devotion. It's a word that means ardent, selfless affection, dedication, zeal. It comes from the word devote, which means to give up something in pursuit of a cause. It's, it's actually from the Latin uh, devotus, meaning dedicate by vow, sacrifice oneself. In fact, the word vow is actually part of the term, the devote. The word vow is there. And we might say it's, it's to vow something completely. And in the context of the human, Union Army, for example, the soldiers who died on that battlefield gave themselves up for their cause whether you agree with it isn't the issue. They gave themselves up for their cause. They were devoted to it. And, and I think in that sense, we can see a sacrifice that they made that we can seek to emulate in our own Christian life. We are also soldiers. We're in Christ's army in the middle of an incredible spiritual conflict. And if we are to be successful, we have to devote ourselves to our commander, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's just no room for selfish actions. We cannot retreat when the battle is hot. We cannot save ourselves when the call is to advance. Unfortunately, Solomon is not a great example of dedication. In fact... His life is an example of the opposite. The words of Proverbs. Proverbs. The other books that he wrote encourage devotion to God. The, the conclusion of, of Ecclesiastes on fearing the Lord. Something he completely lost. Imagine this. The man who dedicated the temple to God is the very man who later dedicated temples to false gods. And somewhere in his life, we don't have any indication where, but somewhere in his life, he, he was no longer devoted to his God. 
And what should we learn from this? First, our personal standard should be loyalty to God. Not loyalty to a church, to a man. Not loyalty to some cause or organization. Our loyalty is to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you, you understand God is interested in having our hearts. It says here in this verse something about Solomon's heart. The word heart has the idea of the inner man, the soul. It's where our deepest emotions are formed. This is, this is what he means, the Old Testament writer. Leviticus 19.17 says, Do not hate your, your brother in your heart. Uh, don't, don't develop that emotion of hatred against your brother. Deuteronomy 2, verse 30, God hardened the king, King uh, Sion, the king, his heart, his spirit. He says he made his heart obstinate. Somewhere down in Sion's own heart, he became rebellious and disobedient against God. That's why he was judged and his nation conquered. In Psalm 31, 24, be of good courage. God will strengthen your heart. So this idea of the inner man, the inner soul, your being, this is where our love for God resides. If Solomon blew it, it's here. All these things we've kind of been talking about kind of land here. Rethinking his worldliness, his desire for the world, and these other issues that Solomon had in, in trying to accumulate horses and, and wives to himself and money. All these things that Solomon desired to have. Somewhere in his inner man, he stopped loving God as he should. First Samuel 2, 35 I will raise up, God says to me, a faithful priest that will do according to that which is in my heart. And of course, he's talking about Samuel. Psalm 86, 11 and 12. Teach me your way, O God. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. And then Jeremiah 29. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. This is why, think about this, the very man who said, guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life was the very man who failed to do just that. I think this is one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul, of all people, said, I beat down my body because I do not want to be somebody who will become cast away thrown off, thrown away from my high calling in following Jesus. So Solomon did that. In his heart, for the place of his love for God, he just lost. This, this heart, friends, this is where we derive our courage. Out of this is where our tenderness, our innermost feelings arise. In, the, in his book, Abolition of Man, this is what C.S. Lewis called the chest. It's where our noble duties are. It's our innermost self. And, and if you understand what the heart is and the, and the importance of it, 
then can I just say our heart must be right with God? I mean, isn't that true? It says here, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. It, it's interesting because the author of Kings is contrasting the idols of Solomon with the true God. In the middle of this verse, it says, it gives us the preposition. His heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. It, it says um, this preposition after in reference to the false gods. His heart was turned after the false gods and not perfect with the Lord his God. In that sense, then, Solomon's heart was now turned for those gods. Stop and think about this for just a moment. Who is the worst king of all the kings of Israel? Do you, do you remember who that king was? I, I think probably if you got a chance to really look at it, you'd say Ahab, right? And Ahab's wife, Jezebel, she, she's from a place uh, that's north of Israel, Phoenicia. Her father was a Phoenician priest, and they worshipped the Baals. And one of the Baals is actually um, his, if you, they, they always made the gods kind of like people. So the Baals, one of them, the Baals had a wife, and her name was Ashtoreth or Astarte, and and she is, imagine this, the goddess of sexuality. Do you, do you see all of this kind of wrapping up around Solomon? He builds a temple for her. God hated the Baals and Baal worship. And his king, the son of David, builds a temple for Ashtoreth. The one who Ahab worshipped with his wife Jezebel. That wasn't the only temple he built. He built a temple to Molech. And Molech was a horrible false god. Um, best we can tell the worship of Molech included child sacrifice. Horrible. It's grotesque. Now I want you to think about this. What king followed Molech? Do you remember? The king of Judah. So you got a king of Israel who follows the Baals. And he's the worst of all the kings. That's Ahab. And the king of Judah. Who's the worst of the kings of Judah, as far as you can tell? That's probably Manasseh. And he follows Molech. So here you have, out of Solomon, you have a temple to the Baals erected there. And you have a temple to Molech erected there. And it's all from the guy himself who dedicated the temple to God in Jerusalem. His heart was not right with the Lord. He should have been following the Lord his God. Do you see that expression here? His heart was not perfect with the Jehovah his Elohim. Solomon is supposed to be for Jehovah. He, this is the God of the Old Testament. This is Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. Jehovah. Romans 10 gives you that, that understanding that we equate Jesus with the Old Testament Jehovah. He's not God the Father. We see him as a trinity, but in the sense Jehovah is representative of that trinity in the New Testament, then you see Jesus is represented there. And the concept of trinity is in the Old Testament, not as clearly as the New Testament, but you have Father, Son, and Spirit. That's Jehovah, and this is Solomon's God. That is his El. That's God. His El, his Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim. 
God created the heaven and the earth. This is Solomon's God. And Solomon, who's supposed to be worshiping Jehovah, says, you know, I'll worship Jehovah, but I'll worship these other gods too. And, and I think in that sense then, as we read this story of Solomon, we could come to the conclusion for ourselves, we must be completely devoted to God. What the author is saying is Solomon followed God, just not exclusively. Jehovah wasn't his only God. In fact, the word perfect is the concept of devotion. It means to be complete or whole. We sometimes use the word wholehearted devotion. There's, there's no room for any middle ground. You, you cannot be part of you for the godless world around us and the other part for God. You can't do that. You have to be wholehearted for God. It has to be all about him. By, by the way, this was Solomon's own command at the dedication of the temple. Back in chapter 8, the writer of 1 Kings, in verse 61, he quotes Solomon here at the dedication of the temple who says, let your heart be perfect with the Lord our God. That's the same expression as the writer uses here, the Lord his God. Do you, do you see it? I mean, the pronoun has changed, Lord his God, Lord our God, but it's the same expression. And, he, and Solomon said, wholly follow the Lord our God, but later did not wholly follow the Lord his God. And sets a terrible example. And Solomon, by the way, told us how to do that. In 1 Kings 8, he said, walk in his statutes, keep his commandments. And I think that kind of tells us how we're to do this. So I guess the question for you, for me, is are you devoted to God? Wholehearted, faithful, loyal, true. Are you devoted to God? Yeah. In a couple of days, we had Valentine's Day. And um, all of you who have Valentine's in your life, right? You're going to, I hope, give some expression of appreciation for that person in your life who means so much to you. It, it, everybody's different, I know. Maybe the day after Valentine's, you'll go down and buy all the flowers that are on sale and, and just, you know, or, or uh, you'll go to Burger King and that for you, and that's fine. We're, whatever, you, don't look at people around the room here. You, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it could. Any, there's a number of you. This could be anyway. So you, you understand. This may be your your expression of com, uh, love for each other. That's fine. Can you imagine? You Valentine's Day comes. You you get a card uh, from this person who's so important to you, and you open it up, and it and it reads something like this: uh, Dear honey. I just want you to know I really love you partially. <laughs> I really do. You have half of my heart. Now, I've given the other half of my heart to other people. I haven't told you about that. I don't know if that's going to bother you. I hope it doesn't. But I, you have at least one half of my heart. It's completely given to you. That would be crazy. Why does God deserve any less from us? and all our hearts and say, yep, Lord, you have it all. Are you dedicated to following God?
Now, this is what, of course, it means to be a Christian. Will you defend the Lord when his way or will is challenged by others? Will you stand for him when his name becomes a curse or a byword? Will you give testimony of how he has helped you in your life to other people? Do you share your faith with others? You see, it, it's all about loyalty. And that has to be our personal standard to be completely loyal to God. It doesn't mean that if there's an act of disloyalty in your life in the past or even in the future that you're not a believer. I, I'm not saying that. Obviously, continued acts of disloyalty should make you question your salvation. And I don't know if you thought about with, with this with Solomon, but I'll have to tell you, his continued acts of disloyalty with idolatry, may, it does make me scratch my head a little bit and say, is this guy really a follower of God? It's weird. It's strange. Doesn't mean you're unsaved if you aren't always loyal to the Lord, but you ought to be. It ought to be all the time. Just as loyalty should be our personal standard. I think this is comparable to the saints of old. This is kind of neat. I want you to, to think about this for a second. This is point number two. Our loyalty should be like those other saints, right? This is kind of what Hebrews 11 and 12 is giving us. That great cloud of witnesses, they're not, it's not like this, well, it's not like this giant stadium where they're all watching, right? The word witness there isn't them witnessing you, watching you. The word witness means they're testifying with their lives of something that, that was true for them. They're testifying of their faith. And when you read that, what you realize is, is there was a standard of faith and practice from these Old Testament saints that the New Testament saints can learn to emulate. I want to be like Moses in meekness. I want to be like Daniel in courage. I want to be like David in how I worship God. You, you kind of you see that in those Old Testament saints. They have those qualities that you should emulate. And here, that standard of loyalty just kind of flows through the Old Testament. But the person it's, it lands on is Solomon's own father, David. Do you see? Look at the sentence again. His heart was not perfect for the Lord is God, as was the heart of David, his father. David was loyal to God. Yes, he sinned with Bathsheba. Yes, he numbered the people. If you read his earlier life, David was a liar. David, David was sometimes a murderer and a thief. David had lots of problems, but he was also loyal to God. So much so that God says of David, he was a man after my own heart. David set the mark for the kings who would follow him. Now, to be fair, Solomon's not the only king to miss that mark. Uh, Abijam, who's the grandson of Solomon, it, it, over in chapter 15, it says of him, his heart was not perfect. His heart was not as the heart of David. 1 Kings 15.3. His heart wasn't perfect like David's heart. He, he, he didn't follow after David. He had military victories against Jeroboam. And you know the story, of course, Jeroboam is, is his father, Rehoboam's nemesis. 
Abijah comes after this, uh, Abijah, and he he was not loyal to God like David, his father. He was a lot more like his grandfather Solomon and his father Rehoboam. Ahaz, well, he was a bad king. It says of him in 2 Chronicles 28.1 that he was not like his father David. They didn't have a loyal, uh, steadfast heart after God like these other kings had. Being like David was tantamount to being a good king. You, you read in 1 Kings 15.11, Asa was an example of what it is to be a good king because it says he was like David his father. You see again in Hezekiah, he's a good king. 2 Chronicles 29 uh, verse 2, because he was like David his father. Josiah in 2 Chronicles 34.2 was a good king. He walked in the ways of David his father. So, so what actually you have happening here is the Old Testament is kind of setting up for us now after David that here is an example that we should follow, that the king should have followed. But I think the reader himself, if you're going to say, I am following after God, I should be loyal to God just like David was loyal to God. That's our example. You should have that same loyalty that David had. It's the example for us to follow. So you could almost say this, in your own life, it will be written that you were sinful, but loyal. Okay, that's fair. Or it will be sinful and disloyal. I want to be like David. I, I know I'm going to fail the Lord but I want to be loyal to him. And it doesn't matter. L listen, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter where you are. Businessman. You could be retired. You, you could work at home on Zoom or whatever other platform your company is using. You could travel for a living. Whatever walk of life you're in, but it should be said of you. Here's my servant loyal to God. And you're going to live that out or you're going to live disloyalty out. And when you think about that perfect heart, that's what I want for me. That his heart was perfect before the Lord. It, it, it doesn't matter what human accolades you might receive in life. It, that, that's all secondary and, and tertiary, that means third. <laughs> okay, I just realized sometimes you use a word. I hope I'm, I know y'all are super super smart, so you do that. But I just want to throw that out. Our speaker last week used tertiary, and I thought I just wonder, you know. So anyway, third, right? It's it's, it's down the line. It's on the list. It's way down at the end. What's most important is that you're a follower of Jesus, that you're going to walk in His steps. And you're going to be like these saints of old. All these saints that are mentioned, like Abraham and like Isaac and like the good parts of Jacob, right? And you're going to be the good parts of Samson and the good parts of these others that are mentioned in the Old Testament, like Moses. And you're going to say, I'm going to be like them. I want my life to emulate them. And I want it to be written of me when I'm gone that he lived a life that was just loyal to God and God alone. 
And so if that's true, it, the, the implications is it doesn't really matter what you accomplish in life as long as you're loyal to God. This is something we must maintain. Stop for a moment. Let's turn over to 1 Kings 3 for just a second. This is where it just becomes so weird. 1 Kings 3. First Kings 3, verse 1. Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, as he made league with him, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David. So she came to Jerusalem until he made an end of the building of his own house and the house of the Lord, that's the temple, and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Only the people sacrificed in high places. And that's not idolatry, I don't think. That is... They're making sacrifices to God, but they're not really following the directions of the Old Testament law as they should be. Because there was no house built in the name of the Lord until those days. So do you see, see what he's saying? He's not saying they're idolatrous. He's just saying they were sacrificing in other places, not in Jerusalem. And Solomon, look at verse 3. This is, this is almost heartrending. Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statutes of, what does it say? David, his father. Here's young Solomon loving God with all his heart. He, he's, he's obeying that Jewish Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord, and you'll love him with all your heart and soul and strength. He's following that. That's the first law, Jesus said. On that hang all the law and the prophets. This is it. This is the most important law. And Solomon's doing that. And now you turn over to to verse 4 of chapter 11, and it says, his heart is not like David, his father, because he's turned after other gods. He has an imperfect heart. And you look at that and you say, I don't want to be like that. I hope you say that. I don't want to be like that. Stop here. Let's look over at 2 Chronicles for a minute, because there's another king who, here who's just awesome. 2 Chronicles 34 is near the end of the kingdom. Part of the kingdom has been destroyed, the northern kingdom. Southern kingdom is all that's left. Second Chronicles 34, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father. Do you see that? Hey, there it is. Walked in the ways of David his father. And declined neither to the right hand or the left. So he was straight. He didn't, he didn't deviate. He's following God completely. Look at verse 3. In the eighth year of his reign, when he was yet young. So he's now 16 maybe. He's a teenager. Interesting lesson for teenagers here. He began to seek after the God of David, his father. He wants to have God to be truly his God. This is a 16-year-old coming to this conclusion. You know, this, this is pretty mature, right? It's a pretty powerful statement of him. And, and I, it just causes me to say, okay, so here I am. I'm not a teenager anymore, but I want to be right before God. I want to follow after God. And if I'm going to do that, and it doesn't matter your age, wherever you are in your spiritual walk, you can say, just like this Josiah, I want to be like 
God, I'm going to seek him with my whole heart. I'm going to follow after him. I'm going to pursue godliness. And this is what we can be. Modern sports scouts compare athletes to former players. When they're scouting college athletes for the pros, they'll say he plays like Michael Jordan. He golfs like Tiger Woods. He throws a football like Tom Brady. He hits a baseball like Babe Ruth. They probably don't use Babe Ruth as an example anymore. What would they say of us? Here's God's scouts. They're probably angelic if they're, you know, scouting out. Looking at all of the Christians in our church, the believers who follow after God, what would they say of us? Well, she prays like Hannah. She will not be denied in prayer. He worships like David. He comes before the Lord with jubilant praise, even in difficult times. She listens to Jesus' words like a Mary. You know, there's a lot of important things that need to be done, but I'm going to really focus on what Jesus is teaching. He witnesses like Paul. He's just fervent and zealous to share his faith everywhere he goes. The guy's just a mini apostle, Paul. She serves the Lord like Martha, working her fingers to the bone to help God's people accomplish what needs to be done. Oh, he's pure like Daniel. Holy, refusing to be defiled, even if it costs him his life to a bunch of hungry lions. He'll do what he's supposed to do. What would they say of us? Are we devoted to the Lord? Are we walking perfect with the right heart toward our God? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this passage of Scripture.